This is Line Dance Podcast. I'm Christopher Gonzalez. Hello and welcome to Line Dance Podcast. What is your name? My name is Rhonda Schatz. And what would you say is your primary role in the line dance community? Well, originally I set up the line dance program for the UCWDC. Mm. What is what is UCWDC for those who are unfamiliar with it? That is the United Country Western Dance Council. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an organization that puts on dance events, country, swing, line, um, all across the world, actually. Oh, how long have you been doing that? We started there in 1988. Wow, so you must know your stuff then. What are some of your responsibilities? Uh, well, I organized the competition line dances, picked the line dances at that time. Um, we set up all the rules and regulations, um, have a big committee that worked on all that stuff in the beginning. Um, I standardized all the step sheets because if you can imagine, everybody had their own style. So it was very, very hard for continuity and getting everything correct with all these different kinds of step sheets. So we just standardized a lot of things um, got together with a bunch of line dancers at the time and picked dances and just to formalize the program more so and of course it's grown a lot since then hmm. and this was probably in 1999 1999 oh so that that makes me think of three questions right there just from what you've mentioned uh, one of which is for those who are coming out of the country bars what is competitive line dancing uh, also how did you decide what the sort of archetypal ideal step sheet format should look like what 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 uh, what led you to choose the format that you came up with and then the third question escapes me and I'm sure it'll come back in a moment but uh, yeah take those in whichever well, order you would like regarding the step sheets yes when I <laughs> when I was picking dances and learning the dances in the beginning for competition and people mm-hmm. would suggest things to me I found it since I came basically I started line dancing and then went into couples dancing so I did couples dancing primarily for quite a long time Mm -hmm. and then when I came back into the line dance and I was looking at the step sheets it was really confusing because the meanings were different people would think they would put things down on paper differently and it would mean the same thing so a vine step would you know be a vine step on one thing and it would be side behind side on somebody else's sheet you know stuff like that so um I just did the step sheets to where it was logical to me. So you okay. need to know where your left foot's going and where your right foot's going and where your body is going to be, especially for formal competition. Okay. You have to have it standardized. What Everybody is, has to be doing the same thing. What is this formal competition you speak of? Well, <laughs> it's changed somewhat since I've been, since I actually did it. Um, but basically, they pick different dance rhythms mm. like funky or novelty or smooth or uh, Latin. I'm not sure exactly what all of the categories are anymore because I've been gone out of that particular area for a while. But mm. um, And then we pick dances according to that rhythm. Mm-hmm. And so I guess that's the formal part of it. You can't just necessarily get up and do a social dance on the competition floor these days. In the beginning, we used to pick social dances for competition. So it was a way to transition the people from the bar to the competition. Hmm. Kind of gotten away from that these days. And what sorts of things are looked for in, uh, in, let's say, if somebody were to, to try to become a solo line competitor and refine their technique, what are the sort of things that judges look for that would make them a champion? I would say 
technique. Mm -hmm. um, how solid are you on your basic footwork? Mm. Um, you're not sloppy. You're, you know, each dance style has a different technique. Mm. So you want to do per, the Latin rhythm, say. You want to make sure that you have good Latin style and technique and footwork and you're you know doing it on the right counts and waltz technique is pretty standard uh, across the board I think and I think that's what they tried to build into the program was you know you have all the couple stances that we were used to we wanted to build the line dance program so the rhythms would be similar so this the technique is going to be the same across the board does that make sense I think so and you, uh, you actually reminded me of my third question, which is, how are these dances selected when there are so many to choose from? Well, I can't speak for the current committee because I'm not on the current committee. Um, but in the beginning, it was, is it a good, is it a doable dance? Uh, are people going to like to do it? Is it challenging for that particular division? So you don't want to, you want beginner dance to be very, very basic and, uh, and on up. And so I particularly, I learned every single dance so I could tell what categories that fit into, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I would get suggestions from all the line dancers of that time when I was doing it because I didn't know all the dances either. So it, it was quite an education, actually, in the beginning. You mentioned of that time. Would you be able to take us uh, perhaps on a timeline just when you first heard that line dance was a thing that exists in the world <laughs> up to uh, where you are today and going from line to, to couples as you mentioned and back into the world of line how did it all begin personally um, <coughs> I was working in corporate America and an older gentleman who taught at the Elks or the Eagles or one of those clubs talked me into going to his class mm. you need to go to my line dance class so I went to the line dance class and of course you know what the how that works you get hooked yes <laughs> You get hooked. So I did the line dancing for quite a while. And I was probably 24-ish, yeah, early 20s. And all the you know, older people in class looked up to you. You know, it's like, so that just feeds you and you want to do good. <laughs> so uh, at one of our dances one time, they had a demonstration of some a couple doing a two-step. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's so cool. I really want to learn how to do two-step. So I signed up for a Parks and Rec class. And kind of the rest is history. That was about 87, I think. Mm. And that's where I met my husband at the time. Mm -hmm. And we started, you know, you, you kind of blend together with people in the class that you're, you just work together better with them. So we started taking workshops and going to events and um, so Somebody took us to our first event, and we watched the competition, and it was like, oh, my gosh, I want to do that. Mm. I really want to do that. <laughs> Six weeks later, we were competing. Wow. So it's like, oh. So kind of went from there. Our first event was Las Vegas in 1988. There were three divisions. There were 46 couples in Division Three. We came in third in the two-step, and so it's like, you know, it just kind of lit the fire after that. Wow. What was that transition like for you as far as things that you focused on as a line dancer versus having this other body in front of you and thinking about their doing? Line dances was just, I mean, it's bar dance at the time. You know, there wasn't anything formal about it. It was just fun. Mm -hmm. um, and couples dancing was fun in its own way. Mm -hmm. I, and I, I was on drill team in high school, so I kind of you know, liked doing that kind of stuff anyway. And couples dancing was just a new challenge. Do you still have your old uh, outfits from competitions? Uh, yes. 
don't fit into them anymore. <laughs> well, I did last year, but <laughs> we'll get back there this year. <laughs> yeah, it's quite fun. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I saw some of those in the video package that was prepared for you at the Hall of Fame induction ceremony oh, at Worlds yes. this year. What can you tell us uh, about your experience um, being selected for the Hall of Fame? Well, um, the Hall of Fame in the UCWDC is, is for people who have made an impact on our sport. I guess that's what you would call it, our sport, our organization over the years. Um, and we've been, I've been involved in it for a very long time and behind the scenes mostly. So a lot of people came up to me afterwards and said, oh my gosh, I didn't know you did all that stuff. It's like, well, yeah, you, you, sometimes you don't see the people behind the scenes very much, but it's quite an honor to be inducted. Um, and you know, just from what I, I build the line dance program and we competed, my husband and I competed for about 10 years and taught and judged. And, um, I've been on the, I was on the ethics committee for the council. I was the ethics committee chair Mm -hmm. for a long time. I was on the rules committee. Um, just all kinds of stuff along the way that adds to your resume, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And they have a committee that picks people and they vote council votes so it was my turn I guess Hmm. now you mentioned behind the scenes how there's so much to do back there if let's say if you imagine having like a perfect assistant and they had a certain skill set or or, personality traits that would make the life of the frazzled uh, person with all their responsibilities make their life easier what sorts of things would somebody need to uh, to train to become, like you know, attention to detail, personable things like that? What uh, what would make an ideal assistant uh, to the UCWDC? Somebody exactly like that, attention to detail, doesn't get frazzled easily, multitasker, just be available to do whatever the event director wants, which is kind of what I've been doing these last number of years. I just help out at events. Um, and it's always nice to have that person, even though they maybe don't have a job at the moment, to be there just in case something comes up and you could just say, hey, will you take care of this? Or, oh, I forgot to do this. Will you go take care of that? Or, you know, stuff like that. What are some common things that event directors might just forget where it's, it's uh, helpful to have the person who has uh, experience in running around and thinking, oh, they're probably not going to pick up the catering or they're probably going to, you know, this or that. What are some things that, uh, that in your experience, um, It's so variable. Usually it's the little fires that will need attention. Somebody doesn't show up for class and you need to go find a person to, to fill in for class or, um, somebody misses an assignment or this person registration gets messed up for some reason and you have to you know troubleshoot and figure out what happened to it or you know just a lot of little things little things the sound system doesn't work oh my gosh somebody's music in the workshop room doesn't work so go find the tech to go fix it you know just run around stuff Hmm. and people don't always see the back behind the scenes stuff because you know you have people to take care of it to make it look smooth to the to the patrons to our customers yeah it's like magic for them things just work yes it is they don't you know and then they'll complain sometimes about stuff and it's like oh you know we're really trying you just don't understand what's involved (laughs) as somebody who has uh, seen both the social side and the uh, the competition side 
are there any aspects of social dance that you really love and, and would like to see brought into the professional competition-y side and vice versa? Are there any aspects of the things that people learn and develop in competition that would be beneficial for social dancers as well? Well, always technique. Technique is always good for social dancing and being adaptable to whoever your partner is. Um, you don't want to outdance the lady or... You know, you just want to take care of your partner, mm. so you look good. Um, I'm not quite sure how to answer that question. Mm. Line dancing is not really transferable at this point from the club to the. It, it's hard. People are intimidated because it's it's gotten so good mm. that they're afraid they can't do it. So we lost that. In the beginning, it came. Everything came from clubs or dance teams. People were on dance teams, so you'd have these in the in the eighties and nineties. It was huge because all these teams would be performing and doing line dance and couples dancing, and they would bring their people and they would bring their people, and you'd have this big thing. Well, it came from the clubs because it was doable at the time, and the sport has grown so much in a good way, um, but. The downside is that it's intimidating people because it's so good now, if that makes sense. I, I definitely So it's get hard that, to step yeah. from the ballroom the bar room onto the competition floor. Mm-hmm. Unless you're like Megan. Hmm. <laughs> hey, you just make it work. <laughs> what do you see in line dancing's future? From having been in it since you know, the late eighties to twenty eighteen what sorts of changes have you seen that you like and you want to encourage those to continue on into the future? And uh, what, what do you predict or hope? We have new technology for you know, video tutorials. and uh, Oh, and we have passing visitors on the podcast. <laughs> Thank you for being here at, at Palm Springs Winter Break. <laughs> Good seeing you. All right. Um... I'm not quite sure how to answer that question because I'm not really up on all the new things that are coming, that are going on right now. Um, What I have seen Mm -hmm. is good. And so progress is always a good thing. Any questions from Megan? I think you asked most of them, honestly. I think I asked most of them. All right, that's good. Any thoughts that you have for the community of line dance at large? If you had, let's say, a giant billboard where everybody in the line dance universe could drive by and see it and think, ah, that's, that's something to think about. Or a podcast that they could listen to. Or a podcast that they could listen to. That's right, good point. <laughs> well, um, like I was telling people when I was at Worlds this year, it's kind of all about the journey. Mm. It's not about winning or losing. It's about you and what you feel good doing. And, you know, just get out there and have fun. Mm. I'm also curious, having seen some classics uh, along the way, are there any classics that you think should be brought back that maybe folks should pick up and teach and uh, and make sure are still being done? (laughs) Well, there is one that I really like that actually Dave Getty choreographed called Walk and Wazzy. We still do that. That one is really fun. Yeah, and it's probably mostly California dance. I enjoyed Larger Than Life and Have Fun Go Mad. Mm. Um... I don't know. There are some good classic ones that probably should bring 
bring back, but I can't think of them off the top of my head. That's all right. If you think of them over the course of the day, feel free to come up and mm -hmm. let us know, and we'll share that with the listening public. Sure. I am curious, is there one dance that you think everybody should learn? Oh, Tush right Push. Now? Tush Push? That's it. a good one. <laughs> yep. Everybody should know Tush Push, and most people do, because yep. it's kind of universal. It'll, it'll probably be around forever. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people still think line dance, Tush Push. Tush Push. Pretty right. classic. Any closing thoughts before we head back in and uh, take some additional lessons on this sunny Sunday? Flamingo Fun Day? No, I think... Good. Great. All right. Well, thank, thank you, you so, so much, much for, for joining us here <laughs> on the podcast. Until next time, we will see you on the dance floor. Very good. Thank you.